how great is our God, and we thank him for his presence in this place tonight. Come on and pray with me as we enter into this time of teaching tonight. God, we love you and we thank you for the manifestation of who you are and your presence in the earth realm. We ask that you would speak to us afresh in this place. Glorify yourself in us and help us that we will hear and understand your holy word. Let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be accepted in your sight. You are my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Amen. Bless your saints. So glad you're coming in. We welcome you to this time now. We're excited about being able to talk a little more about our theme. For the last now 30 weeks, we have been working on the theme, The Quiet Mind for Troubled Times. The Quiet Mind for Troubled Times. And we have thematically approached this from Psalm 46, verse 10, with the, just the first portion, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. What we have sought to do is to appreciate quiet strength, to appreciate quiet strength. And by that, we mean that we don't have to be loud or rude or aggravated or, or upset or boisterous to demonstrate strength. The more confident you are, the quieter you can become. It is, it is almost a sign of weakness that one would need to get loud. It is as though the boisterousness, the loudness is going to push someone away because of the volume of one's voice or the volume that one can elevate to, to become scary. No, in peace and quiet, in, in quiet confidence, that's where we need to be. That's how we need to exercise our lives in God. A part of this dialogue has been about learning how to love beyond difference. Learning how to love beyond difference and, and, and learning to love beyond differences. This passage we raised in Luke 6, which simply suggests that we would love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. This kind of a mindset, this kind of spiritual ethos that, that centers one into the will and presence of God keeps us from being always aggravated by the actions and activities of others. Instead, we are put in a place where we are buoyed by and uplifted by the divine presence of God to where what we do is that we follow a deeper, more resonant command that is inward. And that inward command is viewed outwardly as we live our lives in the presence of others. And that may also mean that we have to work with people and live around people who have and demonstrate faults uh, that, that are, that are off-putting. And uh, in so seeing those faults, it is easy for us to get stuck on them, 
to the point where we no longer can be in fellowship or in conversation with people. But the Bible teaches us in Ephesians 4 and 2 that we are to be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. This is, this is where we want to be. We want to be able to make allowances for the faults of others. Now, in truth, what we must come to an understanding of, and we talked about this last week, and so I won't spend long here, but I want to add a little bit to what I've said previously. But let me, let me start by bringing something up I mentioned last week which simply is, love requires fully loving people, including yourself, with all the faults, flaws, and foibles. Love requires fully loving people, including yourself, with all the faults, flaws, and foibles. Now, it's important that we get this including yourself in there. This has been an addition from over the last couple of weeks. We've put the self in there because some of us are very gracious towards others and we're too hard on ourselves. Uh, let, me, let, me, uh, let me tell you something I shared, and, and, and I may just pause next week and share the lesson I gave on on Monday with a group of pastors, I did a, a, a brief lesson le lecture there, and I may share that with you because we've been dialoguing with pastors about uh, how to survive during a pandemic and how to emotionally and physically get through this season. You may not recognize it, but this is a very difficult season to be in pastoral ministry. It's a, it's a tough time trying to see how to hold the flock in place and how to do ministry in this new era, new modality. And I may talk about that there, but one of the things that, that I needed to share with them, and, and I'll say it to you now, is that you have to get to the place where you realize that during this season, you may not be able to do all that you want or desire to do. You may just be able to do that which is good. You may not be as perfect as you want to be. And what you have to know is that good is wonderful during now, this season of now. And that perfect right now can be the emotional enemy of good. Those of you who want to do everything perfect, I've got to, you know, this has got to be one, two, three, four. You, you're going to struggle because you need to realize that perfect can be the emotional enemy of good. And you cannot allow the good not to be done in order to achieve the perfect. Because right now, all you can do is to do your best. And sometimes that's going to mean that, that your best will have to be enough. It'll have to be enough. You may, not, you may not make the full dinner that you normally would make. 
So you, you were able to get a vegetable and a meat and, uh, and some starch on the table? No, it may not have all the cornbread and other things you might be used to making, but that's good enough. They were able to eat. It may not have all of your special seasonings because they may not even be available at the grocery store, but that's good enough because that's what you could do in this season. And you can't beat yourself up about that or you will find your peace, your calm being taken away. I'll come back. I probably need to come back with a little more on this issue. But listen, you have to learn this. If you can't love beyond the three F's, you can't really love. If you can't love beyond the three F's, you can't really love. You can't really love because it's there. People have faults. People have flaws. People have foibles. Synonyms, but not quite synonyms of one another. Everyone you meet will have the three F's, openly or hidden, but realize they are there. Realize they are there. Now, that recognition that they are there is not, is not simply so that you can critique them or judge them or, or look down upon them. No, that's not helpful at all. No, the recognition that they're there helps you to stop thinking about what the things that are wrong with yourself that you're not measuring up to someone else. You, 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 if if way you keep validating yourself is by measuring your body shape to someone else's or your hairdo to someone else's or your house to someone else's house or your car to someone else's car, whatever it is, if you keep measuring yourself, all of those measurements are flawed. You see all these people on Instagram put these pretty pictures up and their figures are perfect and their shapes are just right. Their hair is coiffed and there's not a strand out of place. And you think, my, I wish I could look like that. You can if someone goes and doctors up your picture. Photoshop does wonders. It can take off pounds. It can take out wrinkles, it can take out smudges, it can take out uh, birthmarks. Oh, Photoshop is something else, it's a monster. And you are trying to live up to a Photoshopped image as though that was reality. The truth of the matter is that that's not reality. I'm, I'm so glad my, my dear sister, anointed woman of God, uh, Sister Michonne White Bernard, put out a, uh, a picture of herself on Facebook, and she put out a picture of herself on Facebook with no makeup, with nothing, uh, nothing on but her regular clothes, with no makeup, just, just there. And she talked about living her life as a light-skinned young lady, and all of the, the stuff that went on, and all of the things about appearance, and how it had affected her emotionally, and what had gone on. It's a, it's a, uh, evangelist, well, she's actually co-pastor now. Co-pastor Bernard put the, this thing in there. It was wonderful because what she was trying to say is, look, I when I fix up and do my makeup and put my hair up, 
I look like the best of them, the rest of them. But this is who I am. This is me. And I'm just like you. Boy, I know she blessed a bunch of folk, and I think she's blessing folk now by me even sharing this, because if you don't get in your mind that everybody has them, that everybody has flaws, everybody has parts about themselves they don't like, every, every woman that's listening to me right now will tell you they've had a bad hair day. I don't care what grade of hair they have. I don't care if they've been telling everybody they got Indian in their blood or whatever they used to say when I was young. Everybody has had a bad hair day. I, men have had bad hair days. You, you look around, you're trying to shape up your mustache, and all of a sudden it's gone. Yeah, we, look, it's life. It's life. Most men who have beards have a plug hole somewhere in it that's covered over by the other hair that's laying down on top of it. It's life. If you think people don't have flaws, you don't really know people. You don't know reality. Listening to some uh, Japanese people, these are Japanese persons who are, who have, are, are biracial. They're born in Japan, but one of their parents was black. And there's an, a, a documentary on this, and they, they share their stories of growing up Japanese and black. And they have full language capabilities. People are shocked that they speak the language. And they talk about what it means to live in that dual reality and how people want to look at them and what may be good or what may be exotic in some of the minds of people that see them. And they, and, and, and they work through the flaws of it all and what the struggles are with those flaws. One girl talked about starting to straighten her hair when she was in, in kindergarten, wanting to ask her mother to straighten her hair so she could look like other people. But the problem is that you'll never be yourself if you don't accept yourself. You'll never be the best you if you don't love you for you. Now, if you want to do anything with it, whether you want to wear in an Angela Davis afro or want to, want to make it in braids or you want to straighten it, that's a personal choice. But don't let that choice be made because you want to fit an image that someone has created for you, and now you think of yourself less because you don't make that image. And don't let anyone take away your personal choice to fit in an image that they want to create, even if it's an empowerment image. Because what you have to do is to live your truth. Live, live, your, live your life. Listen, you must learn to accept your own faults, flaws, and foibles. Accept them. Accept them. Accept them. I accepted a long time ago that I'll never look like Denzel Washington. And I accepted a long time ago that my wife may love and like Denzel Washington a lot. I'll never look like Barack Hussein Obama. My wife may love him a lot. The thing I got going for me is neither one of them are available. So I'm Denzel at number six. I'm all the Barack Hussein Obama you're going to get. And she got to accept me for me, which I'm grateful she does. You, you have to realize, you have to accept yourself. 
So, so under that, we had a couple of things. And um, I've got to stop calling baby Jesse. Je little Jesse, um, uh, Sister Michelle Jones' daughter, took notes last week, and she did the, mo the most precious set of notes about these, these things last week. And, and I want to just hit them again, Jesse, just, uh, just so we have them one more time. Just get this down. You need the awareness of your flaws. And, and we've already done these, so I'm not going to stay on these. You need to acknowledge your flaws. And then you need to accept your flaws. Accept your flaws. Recognizing your best is good enough in Christ Jesus. Your best is good enough in Christ Jesus. Now, in doing this, in doing this, in accepting the flaws of others, in recognizing your own flaws, this does not mean we don't work to improve ourselves. Please don't, don't take me wrong. That mean we don't work to improve ourselves. We are who we are. Yeah, the, yeah, we are who we are. <laughs> uh, someone on the, on the Facebook said, uh, I'm Denzel in my mind or in the mind. So I'll take that. Uh, amen. We are who we are. We accept who we are, but we still work to improve ourselves. It's not an excuse not to do better. It's an acceptance of where you are today while working on tomorrow. In doing this, what we're trying to do is we're learning, we, we want to learn to live the quiet life of calmness. Learn to live the quiet life of calmness. And I'm shifting into some stuff now, so, so stay with me, stay with me. Learn to live the quiet life of calmness. The acceptance of oneself is a, is a way of moving in that journey. The acceptance of oneself and the acceptance of others. See, if I don't have to compete with you, then you possibly can complete me or you can help me complete the task that I need to do. One of the things about LeBron James, which, I, which I've come to really like, and I'm not a, I never was a Cleveland fan, never was a Miami fan, never was a Lakers fan, but I appreciate talent. But one thing I really appreciate about, about him is he recognizes who he is and what he can and can't do. So he accepts that and he's calm about it. And that may mean that he doesn't take the last shot in the big game. And it also means that when, when Danny Green takes the last shot and doesn't make it, he doesn't get cussed out, yelled at, and fussed at because he doesn't make it. Look, I, I accept that sometimes I'm, I'm not the best one to shoot. Sometimes I'm overcrowded. But once you know who you are, you can relax and let somebody else shine. You can relax and let Anthony Davis hit a three-pointer and you win the game. You, it doesn't matter because you know who you are. You learn to live in calmness. <clears throat> Peace in every area of your life is the goal of the believer. Peace in every area of your life is the goal of the believer. Peace in every area. You want to walk in total peace. You want to walk in total peace. You, you don't want to be peaceful at church and, and have your life hectic at home. 
you don't, you don't want to be peaceful at, at home and then have your life frenetic and crazy at work. No, every area of your life, you want to be able to walk in peace in the grocery store, peace driving down the street, peace when you're interacting with people, when you're walking around the mall, peace everywhere, everywhere, everywhere you go, there ought to be a bubble of peace around you. And that ought to be able to allow others to come in and go out. And when they get in your presence, they ought to leave there from your presence, feeling your peace and sensing peace from you that permeates through to them. Calmness and or peace in every step and every step a miracle. Calmness and or peace in every and every step a miracle. Sister Ilya Sewer, wonderful prophetess of God, woman of God, gone home to be with the Lord, gave us this one time, step by step, and every step a miracle. Which means that you're going to start walking in it every step of your life, and every step is going to be a miracle. You're going to come through situations as you can begin to progress in this quiet mind, you're going to come through these situations and you're going to say, I don't even know how I kept my peace during that. A year ago, I would have lost my mind. I, I, don't, know, I don't know why that happened, but, but I feel so much better. I'm not, I should be upset right now, but I'm, I'm cool. I feel good. I feel good about my life. Every step is going to be a miracle. Understand this. The way of wholeness is the pathway of a quiet mind calmed by an awareness of the divine presence of God. The way of wholeness is the pathway of a quiet mind calmed by an awareness of the divine presence of God. You might need to put that up on the screen just for another moment. That's a, it was kind of a lot in that, that one statement, and I want you to get it. The, the, the way of wholeness is the pathway of a quiet mind, calmed by an awareness of the divine presence of God. An awareness of the divine presence of God. I think that um, we get to the place sometime where we forget that God is always with us, that God promised that he would never leave us nor forsake us. And in forgetting that, we then act as though God is not there. It's why some people can sin with impunity. They forget God is actually watching. That's why some people can do things without thinking about it because they really don't realize that, that the divine is keeping a record of everything. But once you realize that God is with me, and that awareness of God's presence in it of itself is a calming force. The awareness that God is with you is a calming force in and of itself. Now, I wouldn't tell you this if I didn't think you could do it. I wouldn't tell you this if I didn't believe you could, it could be a part of your life. But I'm telling you what I know God wants you to have. Listen to me here. You have the ability to live above the typical response, baser instinct 
of the emotional roller coaster. You have the ability to live above the typical response based or instinct of the emotional roller coaster. Now, someone will ask me what I mean by baser instinct. My, my lower self, my, my natural reaction, my, my, you know, uh, my natural reaction to, to this frightening or scary situation. I have the ability to live above that. I don't have to respond the way everybody else responds. I don't have to respond the way I normally would respond. I don't have to yell because everybody else would yell at that point. I have the ability to live above that typical response that comes out of my baser instinct, my lower self, self that may be uncovered by all that is good and holy from God that wants to be realized in my life. Let me, let me press my claim a little further. Then I'll spend the last part of the five things I talked about last week. So I want to press my claim just a little more. The emotional roller coaster has four typical responses to stressful situations. Um, the emotional roller coaster has four typical responses to stressful situations. You, you've heard of the first two because they, 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 are, they are said together, but I'll do them separately and you'll get what I'm going. The, the first typical response is to fight. It's to fight. You're back against the wall, fight. Fight. And some of us come out barking and fighting before we even find out what's going on. Our typical response when something is loud, something is mean or rude, is to ball up our fists. We, 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 we get all the emotional energy built up in us, and we're ready to fight. And some folk have a hairpin trigger. And by hairpin, what that means is uh, when, when guns are tested, they're tested according to the amount of pound weight that it takes to pull the trigger. So what does it take to pull that trigger to get the gun to go off? Well, when you have a hairpin trigger, it means it doesn't take anything. A little flick will make the gun go off. You really don't want a gun that has a hairpin trigger because, see, that's where accidental shots come from. That's when you, you shoot when you didn't intend to shoot. And some of us have been accidentally shooting folks in our lives that we didn't intend to shoot, but we shot them nonetheless, and they were still hit. Dick Cheney um, shot off his birdshot into a man's face on a hunting trip, or so they said. Dick Cheney's the former vice president of the United States under George Bush uh, regime. He shot his friend in the face with birdshot. Thank goodness it wasn't a slug. Thank goodness it wasn't a full round, it was birdshot. And birdshot will sting you, but it really won't kill you, depending on how you, where you get hit at. But there were no charges ever filed. None ever taken, police took a report, but nothing ever done. It didn't really matter that no charges were filed or that he didn't mean to do it. What really mattered to his friend was he still got shot. His face got peppered 
with small BBs into his skin. He's still hurt. So an accidental shot still hurts. So you want to get off the emotional roller coaster where you come out just bang, 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 hitting everybody before you know what's going on. The, the other typical response is flight. Flight. And flight means I'm going to run away. I'm going to run away. I'm going to run away. I'm going to get, ah, I got to get out of here. I can't stand you people. You all make me sick. I'm getting out of here. I'm tired of them folk. Well, you, you know, you have to be careful not to run away from what God wants you to run to. Because if you leave what God wants you to be, then guess what? If that's your assignment, what you will end up in is in the whale's belly or the great fish's belly. Because if that's your assignment, you'll get spit up on the shore after you get thrown overboard. Only if it's your assignment. Come on back, I need to get this teaching in. Some of us run away from things too soon because it's hard, because it's difficult, because it's not what I thought it was going to be, because I expected more, or I expected different, or I expected less. I didn't think it was going to be like that. I thought you were a different way. I thought you were different than my other person I was with. I thought, I thought things would be different when I got married to you. I thought, yeah, and, and so you're ready to run. Flight is part of the emotional roller coaster. And I, now, now, please don't hear me wrong, because if you're in a, a relationship where you're being abused emotionally or physically, you have no business staying in it, and God is not calling you to that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the times in which we take flight just because life is hard. We give up too quick because life is hard. The, the third on this list is frustration. And frustration means that you, you get to the place where your cup runneth over and you're just totally frustrated with everybody. And, and there are people who listen to me right now. You're walking in the spirit of frustration right now. You're walking in frustration right now. You, you, you have it in you. You're just totally frustrated with life, frustrated with people. Anybody say anything to you, you fly off the handle because you're just frustrated. You're frustrated. And that frustration has a way of seeping out. And it seeps out in places and does things that you did not intend for it to do. It hurts people you did not intend to be hurt. It says what you did not intend to say. You know, um, if, 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 you, if you yell at your child and then you realize your child wasn't doing nothing wrong and you say, I'm sorry, you have to realize it did not erase the fact that you were just screaming and yelling. And you, don't have to, you have to realize it does not erase the fact that right now they are emotionally traumatized. And so the next time they get ready to go do something you tell them to do, you wonder why they're being sheepish or not moving as quickly or looking back at you for the sign of approval, they're doing that because they are afraid of your response to whatever they do. 
you are creating an individual will, that will lack confidence in their own thinking and thoughts, in their own agency, because they will be dependent upon you for approval because all you do is fuss and yell before you know what's going on because you're frustrated. I know I'm teaching you there tonight. And the fourth one, which, which is one I've, I've, I've added to this list that I know is so helpful, and that is freezing freezing and that is numbness I put numbness there because I wanted you to get for sure what freezing meant it means that you're just so tired now you're numb you no longer feel I'm just numb I just I'm not mad I'm not sad I'm not upset I'm just numb I'm just numb I just ugh Nothing feels right. Nothing feels good. Everything is upsetting. I'm just numb. I'm just numb. You, you no longer even yell at your child or even give correction. Now you, you don't stop giving correction or directions at all because you're numb. And this too is a trick of the enemy that you have to push your way through to the other side and free your mind. Now, with that backdrop, let me give you again the five necessities of peace and calmness. The five necessities of peace and calmness. These are the peace and calmness necessities that you need to walk in, practice, live every day. It has to become a part of your journey. You have to get in your spirit. Number one, you have to practice peace or calmness in daily life. You have to practice peace calmness in daily life. It means you don't just pick it up and put it down. It has to be a way of life. Now, I, I need to tell you this, and my family will, will tell you this. Um, sometimes my practice of peace and calmness can be frustrating to people around me who would want me to become animated about things that are animating Aren't you mad about that? And, and I will, yes, I'll feel some type of way, but the emotion of anger or mad, as someone might describe it, is not one that I practice often. So I don't walk in that spirit. So I may be troubled by something that I know I need to fix and work on, but I'm not going to move quickly on it, and I don't allow myself to get an emotional uh, high of anger to go with it. And that's frustrating for other people who look at your peace and calmness and say, how can you be like this when that person just did this, or this just happened there? Or why don't you return that phone call quicker? Or why did you say something to that person? Because I don't function that way. I've, I've trained my mind in daily life to walk this way all the time. I don't turn it off when I go home. I'm going to be this every day. I'm going to always try to find the good in someone. Um, Deacon Story, who God bless and rest his soul, was the first chairman of Deacon Board when I came here, stayed main chairman, as you heard me talk about in time past. He called me Good Time Charlie. He called me Good Time Charlie. He, he would get so mad because things would happen and I wouldn't get mad. And then uh, he finally got to the place where where, you know, he said, he helped me understand what were my, 
in ways flaws. You know, you, 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 you go and you say yes to everything. You want to help everybody. You always see the good in people and you, you can get taken and what have you. So during his tenure, he's the one that first talked me into uh, Bishop. I was Reverend Rev. Won't you let us do, do this for you? We'll do the, take care of the benevolence. We'll, we'll select and help people who we need to bless and help, and we'll let you know what we're doing, and we've got this part right here because people can come to you with a sad story. If one of your character, one of your flaws is, you're going to do, you're going to just, there won't be anything left to do. Okay, I'm, I'm good with that. My thing is, I'm going to be me all the time. So now we have Agape Ministry, we have the Deacon's Benevolence Funds, we got a lot of benevolent gifts going around, we've got other areas of ministry that do benevolence, because maybe that's not my best thing. Because I'm gonna look for the best in you, even if you're the worst person in the world. I'm like that lady, you know, uh, there was a woman who used to go to funerals all the time, and every funeral she went to, she had something good to say about everybody. And then she went to one funeral, and everybody was waiting to see what she was going to say. This person was the worst rogue, abuser, whatever you could think of. He did everything. He was the worst person in town, and everybody was waiting. What is she going to say? I cheeky, there's nothing good to be said about this person other than the fact that they're dead. And she walked up to the casket, and everybody was looking at her. And she turned around and said, Woo, my, my, my. He sure could whistle pretty. She was going to find something good. I want to be like that. I want to find the good in everyone. But, I, but the point of the matter is, if you do it in daily life, you're following Scripture. Romans 12 and 8 says what? In as much as lies within you, and as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. That's the Bible. Live peaceably with all men. Verse 19 says, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Let God take care of stuff. Romans 12 and 19 it puts it this way. Here, here's, here, Romans 12 and 20 says it this way. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, you feed him. Thank you, Lord. 21, Romans 12, 21 says, do not overcome, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with your good. Okay. Daily life. Number two. Number two. I got to get this in tonight. Perfect peace and calmness in devotional life. In devotional life. You got to perfect it in your devotional life. And what does that mean? I've talked about this two weeks ago, and I'm going to put it out again. And that is simply this. The more you study God's Word, the more you pray, the more you meditate, the more you put yourself in alignment with God, the easier it's going to be for you to feel God's peace. Your peace is directly correlated to your devotional life. Now, if you want to tell me anything, you need to tell me this. Reverend, I'm praying every day. I, I want to know how you're praying. How long are you praying? 
What amount of time are you spending with God? You know, some meetings I'm getting ready to go into, I, I can pray a quick prayer, Father, I just bless your name that I'm walking in here. Let me speak about you as an oracle of you. Speak into my spirit. Allow me to see and discern that which I need to discern. And I walk in the spirit of peace. Amen. In Jesus' name. I'm, I'm ready, okay? But other meetings I'm going into where I know this, it, there's a spirit around it, and I, I know that because there's a check in my spirit. There's a reservation about it. There's something going on. There's something that's about to happen. There's something that's in the atmosphere that I can't understand. So in that case, I can't pray that abbreviated prayer. I may sit for a moment. I may be in deep prayer. I may be speaking in unknown tongues. I may be just sitting before the Lord. I thank you, God. Whatever the impediment is, whatever enemy of the, of the, of the adversary is coming against this thing. God, give me divine wisdom. If I'm not even supposed to enter into this thing, show me what I'm, I'm going in until I get a release. Because I'm not just praying, I'm pushing. Let me do it again. I'm not just praying, I'm pushing. What do you mean, Reverend? Push, P-U-S-H. I'm praying until something happens. What's the happening you're looking for? Release. Release in me. Release. I'm, 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 dropping, I'm dropping jewels on you tonight. I'm dropping jewels on you tonight. Listen, Psalm, Psalm 94, verse 12. Again, the Message Bible puts it this way. How blessed the man you train, God, the woman you instruct in your word, providing a circle of quiet, within the clamor of evil. While a jail is being put, being built for the wicked, God will never walk away from his people, never desert his precious people. Rest assured that justice is on its way and every good heart put right. I believe God provides a circle of quiet for you as you enter into your devotional life. Listen, I'll put it again this way. The closer you are to God, the less likely you are you'll stay upset. The closer you are to God, the less likely you'll stay upset. The less likely you'll stay upset. Psalm 94, verse 16. I'm, I'm going to read it real quick from the Message Bible. Here's what he says. Who stood up for me against the wicked? who took my side against evil, do, evil workers. If God hadn't been there for me, I never would have made it. Now to preach by itself, I never would have made it. The minute I said I'm slipping, I'm falling, your love, God took me, took hold and held me fast. When I was upset and beside myself, and you all ought to shout on that. You calmed me down and cheered me up. My devotional life brings me calm and cheer. God does that for me. God does that for me. God does that for me. God brings me calm and cheer. God can do that. Number three, number three. Perform. I said practice it. Now I'm saying perform peace calmness in the difficulties of life. 
Now, I used the word practice before. I'm using the word perform now. And you might think that I'm being redundant, but I'm not. Because I just told you that God will give you his calm and peace. But I need to help you here. Everything is not dependent upon God. Some stuff you need to walk in yourself. Psalm 131, verse 2. Here's what he says. And I'm reading this out of the Amplified Bible. Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child resting with his mother, my soul is like a weaned child within me, composed and freed from discontent. Oh, that'll preach, that'll preach, that'll preach. Let me, let me, let me get it again. He says, the, the psalmist says, I have calmed and quieted my soul. Not what God did. No, I, I know it's in God and through God and God is everywhere, but God gives me some responsibility to bring myself under subjection. So you must perform. You must do. Bring yourself under subjection. What I have to understand is to get there is to be blessed. Let me let me let me get, let me just drop one more one more nugget on you from 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 5. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 5. He says to, to, to his young young charge, but as for you, be clear-headed. Not God's gonna make me clear-headed. He says, I'm telling you, be clear-headed in every situation. Now, now the Amplified Version blesses us right here. Stay calm and cool and steady. <sighs> Endure every hardship without flinching. Do the work of evangelists. Fulfill the duties of your ministry. You be clear-headed in every situation. You stay calm and cool and steady. Okay. Come on back, number four. Number four. This is getting good. This is getting good. This is getting good. Number four. Propagate, that is, cause to increase peace, calmness in the drama of life. Propagate. Cause to increase peace, calmness in the drama of life. Right, this is this is important here. You need to become a peacemaker. When you come around, peace ought to have just walked in the door. It could be messed up and peace should have just walked in the door. People could be, be, be yelling and peace just walked in the door. People could be ready to turn it up and turn it out. Peace just walked in the door. Let me give you some word here. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30. And this is the Amplified Bible again. A calm and peaceful and tranquil heart is life and health to the body. But passion and envy are like rottenness to the bones. Look, your peaceful and tranquil heart is like life and health to the body. 
Proverbs 15, verse 18. The Message Bible blesses us here. It says, hot tempers start fights. A calm, cool spirit keeps the peace. Now, you, you need that one. Make sure you put down Proverbs 15, 18, and make sure you strike on their Message Bible because you want to get in the Message Bible because God talking to somebody right now, some hot-headed person listening to me, hot tempers start fights. A calm, cool spirit keeps the peace. That's why I said propagate the peace. Propagate it. Spread it out. Make it go to others. Proverbs 25 and 15 says it this way. By patience and a calm spirit, a ruler may be persuaded. And a soft and gentle tongue breaks the bone of resistance. Proverbs 25, 15, that's how they amplify. Listen, listen, a soft and gentle tongue breaks the bone. Listen, you, look, a soft tongue turneth away wrath. You've got to get it in your spirit because if you can bring your voice down, bring your affect down, bring your spirit in subjection, you can change the room. But if you keep elevating your voice, they keep elevating their voice, you got trouble. Okay, I know I'm running out of time. Let me get number five. Pursue peace, calmness in the decisions of life. Pursue peace, calmness in the decisions of life. Let me do this here. Matthew 5, verse 9, out of the Beatitudes, it's in, this one comes out of the Amplified Bible. It says this, Blessed, spiritually calm, with life joy in God's favor, are the makers and maintainers of peace, for they will express his character and be called sons, and I add, daughters of God. God wants you to be a maker and a maintainer of, speed, of peace. And he wants that in every area of your life. Every area of your life. I determine my decisions based on peace. If you follow peace, you'll make right decisions. Let me say it again. I determine my decisions based on peace. If you follow peace, you'll make right decisions. When you don't have peace about a decision you're about to make, it means you have now been given a spiritual or divine check. That means you should be praying to understand why you have the check, if the check means anything, because peace is what you follow. You pray for peace, and you follow the peace. You do not go or move beyond that peace. You stay in the bubble and the comfort of God's peace. That's where you need to be at. Yeah, I know that guy may look real good. He may say, oh, he talking all the language you have. He got the look you want to have. He rubs your head the right way. He tells you all the things you want to hear. But, but you know every time you get around him, you don't feel good with him. You don't have any peace with him. He doesn't have peace with your children. You, hey, follow the peace. Follow the peace. You know, every time you turn around, you got an argument with that person. You're dating them, and you're, you're arguing all the time. Follow the peace. If you don't have peace, 
it's not good for you. If you're getting ready to buy something, you don't have peace about it. It may not be what you ought to buy. I don't care if it's a house, a car, a boat, a rent, whatever it is. You may, you may think you've got a great deal on this car, and you may be ready to buy it. You don't have any peace about it. Walk away from that deal. You may turn around, and instead of getting the 2020, you go to the next deal. They say, oh, my goodness, we just got the 2021s in, but I can give that to you for the same price as the 2020. Now you got a whole new year earlier, later, in, in now, and, and because you followed the peace. You don't know what that, what that check means. You don't know what God's trying to say to you. Sometimes you might be with the right person. It might be the wrong time. So you have to check about that person. You, don't, you can't get with them now. Guess what? That means you'll never get with them. Maybe God wants them to mature some first. Maybe God wants them to get real saved first. Not, paper, not, 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 not computer saved, paper Bible saved. Showing up saved. Jesus promised us in John chapter 14, verse 27, he said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world give, do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. Let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance and give you courage and strength for every challenge. Last one, I'm going to use one scripture here, and I've got to rush. My goodness, I... I'm going to skip some stuff uh, up there in the sound room. Y'all need to get this because I've got to go to the end. But let me read this last scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says, For God did not give us the spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of sound judgment. That's 2 Timothy 1, 7. I'm in the Amplified Version, so stay with me and personal discipline, the abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. Now, I gotta tell you, I've got a whole section here that I'll do next week if I don't do the other thing. I'm, I'll do this whole section on the benefits that come with this thing that I'm talking about. And I'm gonna bless you when I do it, but I'm gonna skip down to the end. And, uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not a military person, but I like military people. I like some of the things they do, and I watch what they do. Um, and Janice, uh, you, you hit it when you said about breathing. Um, listen, how do Navy SEALs stay calm under pressure? How do Navy SEALs stay calm under pressure? I'm skipping down because I want to get to this. How do Navy SEALs stay calm under pressure? The method Navy SEALs use to stay calm in stressful situations is called deep breathing. It's deep breathing. Deep breathing. Deep breathing. Now, I'm not going to get a chance to do all this. Those of you who get online with me on, I believe we're online this week for the Quiet Mind. If you join my Quiet Mind group, you can come in. It's in your constant contact. Join my Quiet Mind group. I'm going to talk more about breathing techniques, and I'm going to use this Navy SEAL illustration here uh, to really explain it, extrapolate it even more with Scripture. But what they do is called box breathing. And the reason why a SEAL has to calm down is you can't be a sniper. You can't 
be thrown into the water in the middle of the ocean and find your way swim to safety. You can't be in a high hostage situation and handle what you need to handle as a military person if you always lose control. What, they, what the SEALs do is they learn a breathing technique to calm their minds and to prepare for the intense pressure. So they breathe in. It's called box breathing. Box breathing. They breathe in for four seconds. And they, they, are, they try to be sure to let the air out of their lungs first. So they breathe out to clear their lungs. And then they breathe in for four seconds. And they hold the breath. Not, not trying to be in a marathon, but they hold the breath as they begin to allow their bodies to recirculate and their minds to come in line. Well, I want to tell you this. I want you to breathe, but when you're breathing, I want you to breathe in the breath of God, the Holy Spirit, so that every time you take a breath, I want you to let the Holy Spirit breathe in you and through you and bring you into peace. Because the promise of John 14 was a promise that God gave us whether in grief or whether going through regular life. I want you to live in that promise. The peace that God promised you God wants you to have it. Breathe in. And then breathe out. Breathe in God's goodness. And then breathe out the emotional pain. And let God calm your mind while you walk in divine peace in these stressful times. Well, I love you, saints. As you can tell, I've got a whole lot more. I've sent more notes than I had time to get to tonight, but I want you to understand something. God's got a word for you and a word for your life. I'm going to get off this time now. I know we're over, but I want you to understand something. If you keep studying, you keep praying, you keep being devoted, God's going to speak to you.